T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 100%. Um, you know, which guy that is, I, I don't know for sure because... One, you know, one thing is, and I'm hearing this from general managers all over the place, there's really not, has not been as much focus among the teams on the trade deadline as there has been the media. You know, we love talking about it, but this year the draft is so much later than it's been in the past. It uh, takes place on Sunday, and what I'm getting back from teams is, you know, we're not even thinking about trades yet. we got to get through the draft. But once you get through that first day of the draft, then teams will jump in on it. And I think just about every contender is probably going to be looking for a reliever. Uh, and in the last two weeks, you'll see some of the you know potential sellers uh, essentially present themselves within the market, and, and then we'll know exactly what the options are. I think the Red Sox will wind up getting some kind of bullpen help, but it would probably be late, uh, you know, knowing how Heim typically does his work. If there's any kind of a bidding war in David Robertson, who's got closing experience, and again, I, I, I don't don't see the Red Sox stepping out and winning those type of situations where you know you got four or five teams essentially anting up trying to outdo the other club. That doesn't seem to be the way they're doing business. All right, that was Buster only on with me the other day on the Red Sox pregame show. And that should be concerning to you as a Red Sox fan. You hear something like that from Buster Only, who, of course, is a tied-in reporter across the league, talks to a bunch of different people. And that is what stuck out to me. Not about the whole conversation. Of course, Buster mentioned the Rafael Devers situation. He doesn't imagine the Red Sox give him a $300 million contract plus. I hope he's wrong about that. He doesn't see Xander Bogarts coming back here. Like, all that stuff was not great to hear from a Red Sox perspective. But the thing in terms of just this season that stuck out to me about what he said and in the coming weeks here as we're approaching the trading deadline is he doesn't expect Heim Bloom to win any bidding wars. And we're not talking about trading for Juan Soto. We're talking about not winning a bidding war to get a guy like David Robertson, somebody that you could certainly help in your bullpen. So what should Heim Bloom do as we get closer to the trading deadline? And do you believe that he is actually going to give Alex Cora and this group of guys the necessary pieces to make a run in the American League? 617-779-7937 is the number. So last night obviously was concerning for this team because of the fact that Nick Pavetta in this game was bad again. And now this is three consecutive bad outings for Nick Pavetta. And the one thing I look at is I don't want to get on Pavetta too much individually because Pavetta really has carried this pitching staff. If you really think about it, you've had injuries to Nathan Evaldi. Chris Sale made his first start the other day, and obviously a huge spot for Chris Sale this afternoon against Garrett Cole and that Yankees team. Michael Walker's dealt with injuries. Rich Hill's dealt with injuries. He's the only starter that's been healthy for this team for the majority of the season. And Alex Cora has really had to ride this guy deep into games because of the fact that the Red Sox bullpen for the majority of the season has been a complete disaster and a complete joke. Now, the good news is this. You now have some pieces back there. Schreiber's legitimate. We all know that. Garrett Whitlock is back to where he belongs in the bullpen, and he was really good the other night against the Yankees. Faced six batters and sat them all down. Tanner Houck was really good the other night despite throwing the ball away. Everything else in terms of the actual pitching part of the equation was good. Tanner Houck was nasty the other night, and Ryan Brazier is good again. He has now been good for his last 11 outings or so. He has been really good for this team as of late. So those are all nice developments. But because the bullpen has been such a joke for the majority of the season. Remember, I referenced the fact that Brazier has been good lately. But he was also a disaster for a good portion of the season as well. So you factor that into the equation. 
And that meant that Alex Cora had to ask more out of his starters, and in particular with the injuries of the rotation, to Nick Pavetta. And I look at it, and I'm not saying that fatigue is an excuse, but it is a reality with Nick Pavetta. You look at it, the past couple of starts for Pavetta, the last two, his fastball is averaging 92.7 miles per hour. 92.7 miles per hour. You look at his first 17 starts, that's over 93, 93.4 miles per hour. So the velocity on the fastball is down, and the command hasn't been there with Pavetta, so he's getting completely blown up. And I just look at it from this perspective. You look at Pavetta last season. His first 19 starts of the season, it was a totally different scenario than the first 19 starts of this year. First of all, his 19th start of the season last year came after the All-Star break, right? So when you look at it from that perspective, he had a break. And remember, his last start before the All-Star break last season was not particularly good. He got clobbered by the Phillies, his former team, and he only lasted four innings in that game. So when you look at all that and you say, okay, well, now Pavetta's been asked to do a whole lot, and it's more than that as it pertains to Pavetta and just what he's been asked to do and sort of carrying this rotation after everything sort of fell apart with the injuries to this group. You look at it last year. So first 19 starts, 103 innings, 439 batters faced. Okay, well, flip forward to 2022, 108 innings at his first 19 starts. So we're talking about five more innings. 453 batters faced. So, so faced a lot more batters if you look at it from that perspective. 14 more batters and five more innings. So essentially, the five innings nowadays, that's essentially another start for Pavetta. So naturally, you can see that this guy just needs to get to the break. And it was interesting yesterday listening to the broadcast with Sean and Joe. Sean mentioned the fact that Alex Cora told them that he may flip Chris Sale and Nick Pavetta after the break just to get this guy a little bit more rest to the point where Sale, of course, who pitches today, would pitch next Saturday against Toronto, and then Pavetta would go on Sunday, which I think is a great idea just because of the fact that Pavetta has been getting blown up. But last night, I mean, that was concerning because of the fact that Pavetta just didn't have any command and he had no velocity on the fastball, and he just got absolutely clobbered, and the game was really over in the first inning. Now, the Red Sox had a chance early, with Jamison Tyone on the mound, who just, quite frankly, in the first inning, he didn't have it, then he found it. <laughs> After the first inning, the guy was really good, but the Red Sox, they only put up one run in that first inning, and the Yankees take advantage of Pavetta, who clearly didn't have it. Matt Carpenter, the big blast, he makes it a 4-1 to ball game. So the Red Sox had a chance to get to Tyone early. Yes, Devers hits the home run, but after that, they didn't do nearly enough damage in that particular inning. They should have put up a crooked number like the Yankees did. Which brings me to this as it pertains to the Red Sox. I look at this team right now, and I know that Buster only says that this team will not win a bidding war. This team, from my perspective, is worth investing in. You have a really good offense. Now, there's issues. I'm going to get into that in a second here. You have now the rotation is starting to come together. Avaldi looked good the other night. Sale looked good in his first outing. We'll see, of course, what Sale looks like today. They're going to get Rich Hill back, and they're going to get Michael Waka back, and then you have the whole Winkowski situation. He's been pretty good outside of his last two. And Cutter Crawford, we've really seen something from him. And maybe that even helps the bullpen with Crawford, where you say, okay, if we get back to having Waka and Hill back in the rotation, we can put Cutter Crawford in sort of a multi-inning relief guy because he's been really good his last three outings for this team. So, right, you feel a little bit better about where this team's working from, from a pitching staff perspective. I just still advocate for them to go out to get one more arm. Just give Alex Cora one more weapon out there in the bullpen, whether it be a right-handed option or a left-handed option, because now you look at it on the left side, you got issues right now. Josh, Josh Taylor, I don't think you can factor him into the equation at all. You look at Josh Taylor right now, he just got pulled off a rehab assignment for the second time. So I can't imagine he's going to pitch. Now, Davis has been really good against lefties, and Matt Strom's now dealing with an injury. And Strom, quite frankly, has not been great lately. He has not. I mean, it's sort of the shine's kind of come off him a little bit. So that leaves you with really not a lot of left-handed options to work with in that bullpen, especially with this news of Taylor, because you can't throw Deekman out there anymore. Deekman is a damaging reliever. He's the worst in Major League Baseball in the bullpen as it pertains to walk rate. He's north of 18% at this particular point in time. He just can't use the guy anymore. So I would advocate to get another guy back there, give Alex Cora another weapon. But the other thing that was apparent to me last night is in that first inning, the Yankees get the big home run. And if you compare the Red Sox to the Yankees, that's one of the major differences with the offenses, right? You look at the Yankees right now, they have 155 home runs. That's first in all of Major League Baseball. The Red Sox have 90. That's 18th in Major League Baseball. That's a major concern, right? And I know I'm not one of these people that say the home run or everything, but it's got to be something. 
You cannot be 18th in home run if you're the Boston Red Sox. You just look at it in terms of isolated power. The Red Sox are 12th, which basically takes your slugging percentage and subtracts your batting average. The Red Sox are 12th there. The Yankees are first. You look at the best teams in the sport. Atlanta Braves are second, and I get they're technically second in the division, but they're going to be in the playoffs and they're the World Series champs. The Dodgers are third, who won the World Series two years ago, and the Houston Astros are fourth, who played in the World Series. So those are the best four teams in the sport, and you throw the Mets into the equation as well. The Mets, of course, built on that really good pitching staff. But you get my point. Those are four of the best five teams in the sport, and they're in the top four in isolated power. And the Red Sox are sitting there at 12th in isolated power. They don't have enough thump. They don't have enough pop in the lineup right now. And if you just look at it, right now you look at the seven to nine hitters in this lineup for the Red Sox. They are hitting 270, or I should say their on-base percentage is 277, which is 25th in Major League Baseball. They have a 607 OPS, which is 27th in baseball. And they have 17 home runs, which is 26th in baseball. So you're getting no production whatsoever from the bottom of your lineup. Absolutely nothing from the bottom of the lineup. And look, Christian Vasquez has had a really good season, but the problem is, in a lot of these games, Vasquez is being moved up in the lineup because you have all these injuries. Right now, Story's dealing with an injury. So that's part of the calculus here is you don't have a guy like Trevor Story, so that means you have to push Vasquez up in the lineup. So seven through nine, you're getting no production whatsoever. And especially considering that you don't have much thump in the middle of the lineup, it's a major concern. So I'm not telling you that your seven and eight, nine hitter all have to be great, but you can't be 25th and on base percentage, 27th and OPS and 26 in home runs. You need to find a way to sort of lengthen out this lineup. And that's why I keep coming back to getting a first baseman that can hit for some power. And maybe you need an outfielder as well, or maybe just an outfielder. And then you say, we'll figure out the first base scenario because here's the reality right now where this team is at. I don't know if you can afford not playing Jackie Bradley Jr. all the time in the outfield. That's just where I'm at with it because of the fact that Duran has been such an atrocious defensive player and he's not hitting right now. How do you get away with not playing Jackie Bradley Jr.? And like, if it isn't for Jackie Bradley Jr. making that ridiculous play in the first inning of the game on uh, DJ LeMahieu, that inning is worse than 4-1. to one. And maybe Pavetta doesn't even get out of the first inning if Jackie Bradley Jr. doesn't make that play, quite frankly. But my overwhelming point is, we don't know what's going to happen with Kike Hernandez. You felt like, all right, he's turning a corner. He went down to start a rehab outing, if you will. He just DH'd, and then they took him off the rehab outing. He's dealing with a hip situation where he's got to see a specialist. So Kike Hernandez is your only other really elite outfielder from a defensive perspective. You cannot get away with Jaron Duran playing out in the outfield right now, especially considering the fact that he's not hitting. So I understand the concern level with Jackie Bradley Jr. at the plate, but how do you not play him because he's so good in the damn field that you need him out there, and then you look at it from an offensive perspective. You need to figure out a way to get more thump in the lineup so you need to go out there and maybe get an outfielder or a first baseman because if Kike is not part of the calculus going forward, then you got to play Jackie Bradley Jr. You're running out of options as it pertains to defensive guys out in the outfield because you can't play Duran. And if Duran's not going to hit, he's dead weight on this team because he's a damaging defensive player. And I just look at it and I say, if I'm Alex Cora, if I'm in that clubhouse right now, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, well, this isn't on us. This is on High and Bloom. The guy running the organization. We've been short relief help all year. Now, it's starting to come together and it looks better, but we're not going to ignore the first two months of the season when the relief help wasn't there and when we had to put Garrett Whitlock in the rotation. And then you look at the equation in terms of coming into the season. The Red Sox came into the year and their plan at first base was Bobby Dahlback. That was their plan entering the season. Their plan in the outfield, you thought when they brought Jackie back that, okay, Jackie's the fourth outfielder, but that's not how it worked. Jackie was essentially playing every day at the beginning of the season because Hein Bloom didn't get another outfielder. So these issues, and this is the most frustrating part to me and the most aggravating part to me about this Red Sox team, is the fact that we're asking whether or not Hein Bloom is going to make a move is because he didn't put together a good enough team in the offseason. He left glaring holes on this team. So if he doesn't make a move to help this team right now, I believe it's an absolute joke and it should not be accepted here locally from Heim Bloom. You put the team in this position, you should get them out of the hole. 
All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett, take it up until the Red Sox pregame show, and then we'll take you up until first pitch of the Red Sox game. So do you actually believe that Bloom will do something at the trading deadline that gives Alex Cora and this team enough to make a run in the American League? Are they worth it? 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you here on EI. Fresh and Keith, weekdays 10 to 2. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Trending now on WEI and WEI.com, and it's brought to you by Cars for Kids, the easy way to donate your car. Donate today, and your car can be picked up tomorrow. Go to carsforkids.com or 1-877-CARS-FOR-KIDS. Well, we were just talking about it. The Red Sox got thumped last night. 14-1. to 1. They lost to the Yankees. Nick Pavetta was absolutely shelled. Seven earned in four to third. Matt Carpenter broke things open with a three-run bomb in the bottom of the first, giving New York a 4-1 lead. The Sox and the Yankees will play the last of their three games set this afternoon. Final game, of course, prior to the All-Star break. 135 first pitch across the Shaws and Star Market, WEI Red Sox Network, Shaws and Star Market, perfecting the art of fresh. You can tune in to the Visit Massachusetts pregame show at 1235. That is sponsored by the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism. Start your Massachusetts summer adventure at visitma.com. Chris Sale's going to get the start this afternoon. He's opposite Garrett Cole. Of course, the second start of the season for Sale in his first outing. No decision. He went five scoreless innings. Now, unfortunately, the Red Sox lost that game. Complete disaster. Remember what happened there? You had the situation where Franchi Cordero throws the ball away. Strom throws the ball away. Verdugo gets picked off at third base. Just a complete disaster. Chris Sale and the Red Sox should have won that game. So hopefully he gets a win today. And this would be massive. If Chris Sale outpitches Garrett Cole, major development going forward. All right, at the Open Championship, Rory McIlroy with the lead. He's at 17 under par. <laughs> St. Andrews, not playing too difficult. Cameron Young is at 15 under par. He's three under through seven today. So we'll keep you updated on the leaderboard throughout the afternoon. Cameron Smith at 14 under par. Jordan Spieth making a little bit of a run here. He's at 12 under par. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It doesn't feel like that the Red Sox necessarily are prepared to step out. It's almost like you can draw a line in the sand before Chris Sale's contract and after Chris Sale's contract, where, you know, before Chris Sale's contract, they were building a huge payroll. Uh, they spent aggressively on him. They spent aggressively on other players. And maybe there was a realization, because I know people in the industry were shocked they gave him the deal they gave him at the time because of the arm issues that he had had prior to that. Maybe that changed the perspective of ownership of how they should handle these situations. I think the Devers contract, you look at the type of player that he is, the age that he is, I, I think you're looking at a $300 million contract, and we have no indication that the Red Sox are going to be willing to, to go that far, given how they handled Mookie Betts, given how they handled uh, you know Xander in this negotiation. All right, so that was Buster only on the pregame show with me the other day. And that's the one that can, should concern you. 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett taking you up until the Red Sox pregame show. Then we'll take you all the way up until the first pitch. But Buster only, who is dialed in, he is an insider at ESPN. He's been covering Major League Baseball forever. We have no indication that the Red Sox are going to fork over $300 million to Rafael Devers. This is what I just cannot comprehend and I cannot understand. And I'm telling you this. If they do not sign Rafael Devers, I'm done. I'm not going to be a fan of the organization anymore. If they do not sign this guy, what is it about? This is a 25-year-old superstar. Rafael Devers right now is number one in all of Major League Baseball in Fangraph's war. He has 4.7 wins above replacement. Second on that list is Aaron Judge. Third on that list is Nolan Arenado. Fourth on that list is Manny Machado. 
Fifth on that list is Paul Goldschmidt. Rafael Devers is number one in the entire sport in war. This is one of the best players right now in his prime. And maybe even pre-prime. This is like, he was great in 19. He was great last year. 2020, I don't really put much stock into that because it's a two-month season. He was tremendous last year, and he's tremendous again this year. And we don't have any indication, according to Buster only, that the Red Sox are going to fork over the money to pay this guy. If you're not paying this guy, who are you going to pay? And that's the concern level here, is if you don't bring Rafael Devers back, who the hell are you going to sign? You can't replace this guy. So I just don't understand the thought process. And look, I understand I'm getting mad over something that technically hasn't happened yet. But here's the thing that I would ask you. Why haven't there been more serious negotiations between the Red Sox and Rafael Devers? Because I look across the sport and I just feel like the Red Sox have missed an opportunity here. Even the Juan Soto situation in Washington. Now, that is absolutely absurd that the guy passed on $440 million. That basically just tells you Juan Soto doesn't want to play for the Nationals anymore, which is his prerogative and all that. I would have a very difficult time passing on $440 million. Heck, I'd have a hard time passing on $440, period. I mean, come on, $440 million he passed on that. But nonetheless, you understand the point there is he wants to play somewhere else. Rafael Devers has said he wants to play for the Boston Red Sox. And it's not like he's playing. And I get that the Nationals won the World Series in 19. But that's not some storied franchise like the Red Sox or the Cubs or the Dodgers or the Cardinals or the Yankees. We're talking about the Washington Nationals who replaced the Expos years ago, right? But my whole thing is I look across the sport and I see a guy like Jordan Alvarez who the Astros went to him early and they signed him to a really good deal a really team-friendly deal because they were smart and they got out ahead of this. If you look at the Houston Astros, they got ahead of Alex Bregman and they got him paid. Remember, they offered him the same contract the Red Sox originally offered Mookie Betts was that $100 million deal. So they bought out Bregman's prime years. The Red Sox tried to do that with Mookie Betts. I give them credit. They tried on multiple occasions to get Mookie Betts signed. It just didn't work out. And eventually, you had to move on from the player, which is another thing, a side note on High Bloom we can get to. What a disastrous trade the Mookie Betts situation was. Even if you had to move on to the player, and I can understand why you had to do it, the fact that the return is Alex Verdugo, Jeter Downs, and Connor Wong is a flat-out joke. How is that the return you got for Mookie Betts? I mean, that is, and that should be a concern about if this team is going to eventually move on from Rafael Devers. What the hell is Bloom going to get back for him? I mean, come on. Verdugo, I like Verdugo. He's a good player, but I mean, we're talking about Mookie Betts. You got Verdugo, you got Wong and Downs. I mean, come on. What the hell was that? But anyway, so this is my whole situation with the Rafael Devers thing. The Nationals tried with Juan Soto. The Astros got Jordan Alvarez signed. The Astros got Alex Bregman signed. The Padres, they got Fernando Tatis Jr. signed. We see it. The Wander Francos of the world. Tampa Bay took care of Wander Franco. He's already signed long-term. All those contracts are going to be team-friendly, and this is why they've really screwed it with Rafael Devers because here's the reality with Devers. Devers is so close to free agency right now, and he's going to make almost $30 million next year. So it doesn't behoove Devers at this particular point in time to take anything less than what he wants because he knows I'm going to enter the market in my 27-year-old season. So I still have three to four years left, maybe even five years left, my peak prime years to get paid. So the Red Sox had an opportunity to early on in Devers' career try to go to him and get him to sign something because here's the thing. When you're so far away from free agency, like Bregman was, like Alvarez just was, like Wander Franco is, well, guess what? You may be more likely to sign that deal because you're like, okay, this is life-changing money. This is an incredible deal. But the further you get away from that, the easier it is for you to say whatever. I mean, Rafi's making over $20 million this year. It doesn't behoove him to say, you know what, I'll take a team-friendly deal. That's the thing to me where... If you're high in bloom and you're supposed to be this smart guy, I get it, he went to Yale and all that, and you're supposed to be this money ball guy, so to speak, why wouldn't you have gone to him with a contract extension earlier? This whole idea was that you were so worried about him defensively? That's the issue that you had? 
Hey, you think the Astros are really worried about Jordan Alvarez defensively? Well, the guy's got a 1058 OPS. The guy's slugging 653. They'll figure out the defense later, and that should have been the Red Sox sort of idea here with a guy like Devers is go to him early and get him signed because here's the reality. If you do not have him signed prior to next season, then you're in real jeopardy. Then you're in real trouble because can you really let him play out in the final year of his contract and then just go into free agency? Because if he goes into free agency, the likelihood of him coming back, not going to happen. We see it all the time. Guys that get to free agency in this sport don't come back. It's different in the NBA, et cetera. But when we talk about it in baseball, Bryce Harper gets to free agency, he's out of there. A-Rod gets to free agency, he's out of there. That's how it ordinarily happens. When these guys get to free agency, they're out. They're not staying with the organization anymore. They're going to the highest bidder or going to a team they think they can win with. Look at it with Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer gets traded away from Washington. Well, first of all, he leaves the Tigers, bets on himself, gets the huge deal with Washington. Then he gets traded to the Dodgers this past offseason, and then he's got a bunch of teams after him. He goes to the highest bidder, the New York Mets. So when you leave in free agency or when your free agency season is here, it's very rare in baseball the team goes back to the previous team because they're usually pissed with the organization, right? Scherzer felt like the Tigers were not offering him enough, so he went to Washington. That same thing is going to play itself out with Devers, and if that is the case, are the Red Sox going to be in a position prior to next season where they actually have to move on from Rafael Devers because you're not going to sign him in the following offseason? All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett taking you up until Red Sox pregame, and then we'll take you all the way up until first pitch, which comes your way at 135 with Joe Castiglione and Sean McDonough. All right, a lot more to get into, including this. Are you worried that Rafael Devers will be playing baseball for another organization? We'll get into that in just a little bit here on EI. When I see Devers, it's like I never left. You know what I'm saying? Because he's fearless. This kid, man, uh, uh, such an early age, he looked invincible out there. You know what I'm saying? And everything is going really good for him. David might, might be one, one of the top three pure here in the game right now. Not my, I'm 100% sure because I watched that kid hitting and playing the game so many times that. When I watch it, I'm expecting something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, and, 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 and once you have that type of player, when you have that, that, that caliber of player, there's no other way to compare him to myself. You know what I'm saying? Because he don't waste no bat. He, he's not out there, you know, not trying to do damage. Every time he's stepping to play, you can see that he's expecting to do something himself. And I say, as a fan, I say, I said, watching the game, you always expect it to come through. And I know what the feeling is all about. So I hope the Red Sox, you know, make sense about the decision that they have to make with him. We got to keep Devitt around, man. Devitt is, is, is the face of the organization. I said, right now, and, 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 and nobody can argue that. All right, that's David Ortiz earlier this week talking about Rafael Devers and just the importance to what he means for this franchise. Brian Barrett taking you up until the first pitch of the Red Sox game today, 617-779-7937, the number. So a couple of things on the table. Do you believe that Heim Bloom and the ownership group will actually get a deal done for Rafael Devers, that he's going to be a long-term member of this organization? And the other thing on the table is this. Will Heim Bloom make the necessary moves at the trading deadline to upgrade this team? So I want to start with the Devers part of this for a second. The one thing that really concerns me, too, is you have to realize that the Red Sox right now, and this kind of ties into the trading deadline, they only have one guy in their lineup that teams are legitimately scared of. The only guy that consistently hits for power in this lineup is Rafael Devers. He's the guy that teams are pitching around. Teams are scared to pitch to Rafael Devers because of the damage that he can do, and there's not a lot of support in that lineup from a power perspective. So I just look at it from this perspective. You go back to what happened after David Ortiz retired. He retired after the 2016 season. He was actually outstanding that year. Remember, he's dealing with all the issues with his feet, blah, 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 couldn't play anymore, and he retired. He goes out on top, which is really cool to see. Like, I mean, Ortiz retiring at basically the peak of his powers. I mean, think about what we're seeing with Pujols. 
They're putting this guy in the All-Star game. He's going to be in the home run derby. He absolutely sucks. You see that series where the Red Sox played the Cardinals earlier this season? That was embarrassing. That guy played in one game. He couldn't touch anything. He was absolutely horrendous. David Ortiz went out on top. I mean, he's top five in the MVP voting that particular season. But anyway, that season he left. When you go from 16 to 17, what happened to the Red Sox? They did not have a guy in the middle of the lineup that teams feared. It got to the point where, I mean, at this particular point in time, too, John Farrell had just completely lost his mind. I mean, the guy was horrible at the end of his tenure here. But remember what they did. They took Mookie Betts, the leadoff hitter, arguably the best leadoff hitter in Major League Baseball, and they put him in the cleanup spot at times. Like, they didn't have that guy in the middle of the lineup that teams feared. So they took Mookie Betts and they said, hey, Let's try to make Mookie Betts into that guy that teams fear in the middle of the lineup when Mookie is a great player, but he's not that type of player. He's somebody you want at the top of the lineup, right? So then what happens the very next season? Dave Dombrowski goes out there and he gets J.D. Martinez because, and that's when J.D. was hitting for legitimate power, which he's not now. He's not even at double digits as it pertains to home runs. He's sitting there at nine home runs on the season. So they go out there and they get J.D. Martinez. Remember how good the 18 Red Sox were because Mookie goes back to where he should be hitting first in the lineup, and then you have J.D., who is the guy in the middle of the lineup that teams absolutely fear, and they needed to do that. They needed to go out there, and they needed to land that guy to replace David Ortiz. They didn't replace David Ortiz in 17. Well, now what's happening right now as it pertains to the Rafael Devers situation, if this guy's not a member of this organization long-term, you still have to plug that hole. The guy's not here. Now, maybe eventually that guy is Tristan Cassis, but why can't you have Cassis and Rafael Devers? This is what I just don't comprehend. Like, the whole idea is to build from within and build a long-term sustainable winner. How is building a long... How is Rafael Devers not part of a long-term sustainable winner? I just... I can't fathom that being the case. I can't fathom anybody across the sport looking at this Red Sox organization and saying... Yeah, it would make sense for them to move on from Rafael Devers. I would like to meet the person that thinks that way. Who thinks that it's a good idea to move on from Rafael Devers? And just because he doesn't fit into your price? I mean, come on. This is the Boston Red Sox. I mean, John Henry owns a bunch of different organizations. Why can't you pay this guy? If you're going to make an exception to your rule, like I understand where Bloom's coming from in terms of they don't want to give out these long 10-year contracts. And I can get on board with that as it pertains to Xander Bogarts because... He's going to be in his 30s, and you don't want to give him that deal. Okay, I can understand that, but Devers is the guy that you should be giving the long-term deal to because essentially you're paying for his prime years. I just don't understand it. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Scott in San Francisco. What's up, Scott? Hey, what's Brian? I'm out here in San Francisco getting my outdoor work out. Nice. Looking at the Golden, looking at the golden Gate. But I, the more I'm listening to this, I'm getting agita. So I had a, I had a theory, bud. Okay. That maybe Buster, maybe Buster only didn't put in his calculus. Hmm. If the Red Sox let all these free agents go, what will their payroll be next year? Oh, it's going to be tiny. Because JD's off yeah, the books so, and Xander would technically be off the books. Nathan Avaldi would Evaldi, be off the books. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they cleared up a lot of space. Chike, Vasquez, yep. they'd all be off the books. So... My point is, in, not that would be the time if you were going to pay $300 million, you'd have the money. The dynamic was different, you know, after the World Series because we had so many high-priced players. But I think that would be the time they could sign Devers at the end of this year. That's just my thought. I yeah, think but Scott, gonna be... I mean, think about it from this perspective, though. You could have been – Devers went through arbitration this year, or they settled before arbitration. So you could have already had a contract done that would have started next year. Right. So well, I, I, mean, I get all that, but that's just, that's just water under the bridge. I'm just looking forward, and I'm just saying chances are they won't do it because of the way this thing is moving, but the possibility exists that they will based on how much money they're going to have vis-a-vis what they've had in the last five or ten years. They're not going to be near our luxury tax or any of that other garbage. So he would be. I think there's going to be such a revolt, even though everyone says that Fenway will get filled up. I get that. But seriously, I, I think this is something, this is a bridge too far for even John Henry to cross. He has to resign Devers. Yeah, and Scott, the other thing is, too, like we talked about last year, and this is sort of an individual thing for this season, is the mutiny they are going to have in the clubhouse if they don't do enough of the trading deadline. But think about what's going to happen if next year Alex Cora comes back 
and Bogarts is gone. J.D. Martinez is gone. Nathan Avaldi is gone. Christian Vasquez is gone. And Rafael Devers hasn't had a long-term contract extension yet. Well, then aren't you playing games with the manager in terms of if he's going to want to keep managing this team? Who's going to work for High and Bloom yeah. if he's just getting rid of all the good players? Well, I mean, that's kind of the scary part because you make a great point there. But I'm not so sure that's not what Haim wants. He wants his little Sam Fold in or whoever he can bring in. Make it look like Alex walked. I'm just telling you. He doesn't care. I don't think there's a great relationship. I don't think it's a bad relationship, but it's not his guy, so to speak. Yeah, I'm telling you, Scott. That's the scary thing. Yeah, it's it's a fair point by you. And look, there was a lot of external pressure, if you will, even if Heim Bloom wouldn't come out and say it, to bring Core back because he was the World Series champ and all that. Everybody, the fan base wanted him. I'm sure the ownership group looked at it as Alex Core is good for our TV show, right? Having Core back in the dugout is good for Nesson. It's good for our product, et cetera. But the other part of the equation oh, yeah. is this. Do you know how bad of a look it would be if Cora wants to leave here? Do you know how many t- teams would legitimately fire their managers to hire Alex Core? They would. I'm telling you, teams. And we've seen it happen before, right? I mean, think about years ago with Theo. They had a manager there. They got rid of him, and they brought in Joe Madden. Now, Joe Madden won a World Series. He's completely lost his mind since then. But it's happened before in this sport where if you have a manager of Alex Cora's stature, teams are going to want him. So say one of these other great organizations says, yeah, we'll take Alex Cora now. How bad of a look that would be for Bloom? Incredibly bad look. Now, let me give you another optic that would be incredibly awful for Red Sox fans for the next 10 years. How many home runs Raphael Devers have a year playing at Yankee Stadium? As oh, a my Yankee? God. Don't say that, Scott. 50, he'd, have 50, he'd have 50 home runs a year based on playing in that little right, right field porch. See, that's what I think ultimately is going to cause oh. John Henry to come to his senses. Because if that happens, oh, man, it's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it, And they'll do it. They'll <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, Scott, they got to sign Aaron Judge too, so they can't let Judge go. <laughs> if they ever got Raphael Devers, what a disaster that would be! I, I just could see them doing that. I mean, I, I just that guy swinging Yankee Stadium. My God, it, it would be the worst. It would hey, be one scary. Last thing before I yeah, let yeah. you go, Bobby Bobby D. Listen, oh God, I love Bobby D. I love the guy as a person. Everyone loves him. Everyone thinks he's a good guy. You can tell he's, a, and you feel bad for him. I think you even mentioned it yesterday. Yeah. And I feel bad for him, but enough is enough. I mean, is it, you know, there's this weird thing that bomb he hit the other night off uh, Chapman. Chapman. Yeah. Honestly, that's the fantasy with this guy. You think he could do that 35 times like Dave Kingman, but he just can't put it together. It's time to move on. It yeah. really is. I'm with you, Scott. Appreciate the the call, my friend. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. Yeah, that's the problem with Bobby Dahlbeck. He's just, he, the swing and miss stuff is just always going to be there. Great. And look, it was an important home run the other day. But the reality is the fact that this team came into the season thinking that Bobby Dahlbeck could play 80 to 85% of the games is an absolute joke. And the fact that Travis Shaw was the backup first baseman coming into the season, that was a joke. The fact that they're trying to make Franchi Cordero a first baseman, that's a joke. And that's on Heim Bloom. That's not on Alex Cora. That's not on the organization. And even Heim Bloom didn't think that Franchi Cordero was going to be a first baseman this season. I don't know why Heim Bloom like doesn't respect the position of first base. You notice that? Like last year, and Schwarber was great for this team. I loved Schwarber, but he wasn't a first baseman. Now your first base, Bobby Dahlbeck is the worst defensive short, uh, first baseman in the sport based on defensive run saves. He's at negative five. <laughs> so he's horrible there. And then the, you're turning Franchi into a first baseman. He doesn't respect the position. There's no way around it. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Tony in Bridgewater. What's up, Tony? Hey, how you doing? Good. I, I hear all I hear about is Hein Bloom, Hein Bloom, Hein Bloom. This isn't Hein Bloom's call as far as signing Devis go. This this is a no brainer. I mean, this is on Henry and the ownership. <clears throat> it appears it appears to me this guy he he's gone from wanting to win. This is Henry now. Yep. From wanting to win and and I it's probably for financial, obviously, but you know, the fans and him have the same thing in common. We don't care about how much money the guy makes. We just want a winner out there. And and High Bloom's job in the future is going to depend on winning. So I don't get where people are saying High Bloom, High Bloom. He's just he's a puppet for Henry. You don't want to pay the dough. The pressure should be on Henry as far as that goes. So essentially, your point is that Henry should be telling High Bloom that he needs to get Raphael Devers signed. 
absolutely 100 percent. There's no question. There's no question about it. They, you know, they did. They played this game with Mookie. Okay, you lose. You know, people. He don't want to be here. Whatever. Whatever the the, the case may be. Yeah. But all of a sudden, you're going to lose your shortstop. You're going to lose Devis. I don't think this is going to play big in Boston. And Henry, one thing Henry don't want to do is lose money in this in this wall. Well, and that's what I think, so Tony. Right? Him. Like, isn't isn't not bringing Devers back? Like, isn't this where ownership is going to have to say something? Because I do feel like, from a business perspective, this is bad business if you don't bring back a guy like Devers. One hundred percent correct. And and I don't get this this thing because Blue's a high at hand. Let's face it. That if he whether he signs him or don't, he needs it has to be signed off by the owners, correct? On a deal like this. Oh, absolutely. It should right? be that way too, Tony. Yeah. This isn't, yeah, this isn't getting a reliever for two million bucks. This is the future <laughs> calling, and uh, yeah. it's all it's all on Henry, and it should be. All right, hey Tony, appreciate the call, my friend. His line's open if you want to grab it at six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. I do think there's some truth to what Tony's saying in terms of the fact that the ownership group, if if they want to keep doing what's right for not only the team, but what's right for business, what's right for business is bringing back one of the best players in the sport and making sure that he signed up long-term. I don't know how you could argue to the contrary. So Tony makes a good point there. But my whole thing is this, just in terms of the ethos of High and Bloom, why doesn't he want, why wouldn't he want to get this deal done? I don't understand that. He keeps saying, like, in the offseason when he was on the Greg Hill show, we didn't align on a contract. Well, that's on you to make it work. It's on you to be, like, the fact that those two sides, Rafael Devers and the Red Sox, were more than $100 million off, that's an absolute joke. It's a disgrace that they're that far off. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett taking you up until the Red Sox pregame show, and then we'll get you ready for first pitch. If you do want to weigh in on this, the two things today— Will they get a deal done for Rafael Devers? And secondarily, is Bloom actually going to give this team what it needs at the trading deadline to give them a real chance to make a run in the American League? 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you here on EI. Your home of the Sox. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Trending now on WEI and WEI.com. The Sox fell to the Yankees 14-1 to last night. I repeat, 14-1. to Nick Pavetta shelled seven earned in four and a third. Matt Carpenter broke things open with a three-run bomb in the bottom of the first. He gave New York a 4-1 lead there. He'd had another three-run home later on in the game. The Sox and the Yankees are going to play the last of their three-game set this afternoon, the final game prior to the All-Star break. It's a 135 first pitch across the Shaw's and Star Market, WEI Red Sox Network. Shaw's and Star Market, perfecting the art of fresh. You can tune into the Visit Massachusetts pregame show coming up at 1235. That is sponsored by the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism. Start your Massachusetts summer adventure at visitma.com. Chris Sale gets the call on that one. He's opposite Garrett Cole, so a really good pitching matchup. Meanwhile, at the Open Championship, Rory McIlroy now with a one-stroke lead. It's 18 under par. Cameron Smith making a run here. He's now at 7 under par. He's through 12. Rory's through 11. Cameron Young's at 15 under par. Dustin Johnson at 13 under par. He's through 13. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. First off, he's he's very well liked. He's very well respected. Um, and, and, you know, the scouting report on him is that he uh, moves deliberately, that he's not going to overreact. Um, and he's not going to step out in a negotiation and pay big. Um, and it makes sense that that's the way he would be um, because let's face it, in all the years that he was with Tampa Bay, uh, that's how they always did business. All right, that was Buster Only on with me on Friday talking about the perception of Heim Bloom around the league. I just look at this team right now. They need a life raft. They need a power hitter and they need a relief pitcher. Heim Bloom needs to do that. He owes it to this team based on the fact that he went into the season with these holes that he himself created by not bringing back Schwarber, by not getting an additional outfielder outside of Jackie Bradley Jr., by not getting enough help in the bullpen. Yes, Schreiber worked out, but he wasn't a high-leverage guy until the month of May because nobody knew who the hell he was. The high-leverage guys that he was planning on using at the beginning of the season were Hansel Robles and Jake Diekman. Jake Diekman sucks. Oh, not to mention Matt Barnes. Just think about this with Heim Bloom. The two relievers that are the highest paid on the Red Sox, you know who they are? Matt Barnes and Jake Diekman. Those are the two highest paid relievers for the Red Sox. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Steve in the Cape. What's up, Steve? 
you hear me, buddy? Hey, what's up, Steve? Steve Fowler. Oh, I'm sorry, Steve. How are you? Sorry, man. There's only one of me, Bryce. <laughs> anyway, go go back and go back and look at last year's trading deadline and how we viewed it. And there was a lot of skepticism. There was a lot of pouting. Steve, where are you? Steve, where are you right now? I I can barely hear you. There's like plates or something in the background. Well, that was the wind. I didn't want to make a racket. Okay. All right. So what's your point? Yeah, I got you now. What's your point? The point is, I have all the faith in the world in Hein Bloom. And what you say about them going into the season, can't you interject Bill Belichick's name going into this season? And will you do the same thing? Bill Belichick has nothing to do with the Red Sox, Steve. I, I don't. I, okay, I know he has nothing. I know he has nothing to do with the Red Sox, but I can see the same argument coming up in a few weeks. Look at how he left the secondary. Look at how he left this. Look at how he left that. Look at how he left the coaching staff. Give the same criticism. And the same level of scrutiny. That's all I ask for. But this I isn't me, second, Steve. Bloom I'm not second-guessing Hein Bloom. These are things I said prior to the season. I, this is not the first time I'm, I've mentioned this I'm about the relievers. You, I, I know you have. You've been right on it. Well, let him do his job in the, in the, in the, in the trading uh, deadline. And no, that's fair enough, I'm Steve. No, that's start, a fair point. If he I'm goes up, start, Steve, hold on, Steve. I don't Steve. want the short stuff. All right, Steve, i got to let you go. I don't know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with Steve. It, it, he does make one fair point. If Heimblum goes out there and he gets a Daniel Bard and he gets a C.J. Crone, okay, I'll say he has done his job at the trading deadline. If he goes out there and he gets a David Robertson and a Josh Bell, I'll be happy with Heimblum. So he is right in that sense that we are getting sort of critical over something that hasn't happened yet. But if it doesn't happen, then we have to question him because he did put this team in this hole. Let's get to Steve on the Cape. What's up, Steve? Yeah, I, I don't know what the hell that was, but um, <laughs> is there any truth to the Juan Soto trade that they could make for, because he passed up $400 million, and I mean, they can afford that, right? Yeah, he's probably going to get traded, Steve. I don't see the Red Sox being the team that do it. The thing that would scare me, really? if I'm a Red Sox fan, which I am, is the Yankees. Yeah, you have Devers, and you have Soto, and then um, Daniel Bard. Jesus Christ, don't want that. You don't want him? Why? Because of what happened previously? I mean, he's one of the best relievers yeah. in the sport right now. I know, but that's he had some problems with the, yeah. All right, Steve. Good stuff, man. appreciate the call. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. I understand the whole idea if you're worried about Daniel Bard because of what happened previously here. He's one of the best relief pitchers in the sport. I would take a shot on Bard, especially considering that this team could use back of the end of the bullpen help. I mean, just think about it from this perspective. Say, hypothetically, last night that the Red Sox were in a close game, which they weren't because Pavetta got beat up. Schreiber was not going to pitch in that game. Whitlock was not going to pitch in that game. Now, Cora did say Tanner Houck would have been available. But so basically, for good relievers last night, all you would have had is Tanner Houck and Brazier. That's it. That's the only guys you would have had. So if you just get one more guy back there, it's going to give this team a massive lift. And the thing that you got to factor in now It doesn't look like Josh Taylor at any point is going to be part of the equation because he got taken off his rehab stint, if you will. So I can't imagine that he's going to pitch at any point this season going forward for this team. You just can't factor that in. So they do need an additional arm. Let's get to Mark. Mark is in Easton. What's up, Mark? Hey, how you doing? Uh, Let me just get a minute. I'm going to rant. I'll I'll hang up. Listen, happen. Okay, Mark, it's your show. How you doing? You're Good. the Boston Red Sox. You have the sixth highest payroll in baseball, and you don't have an everyday first baseman. You have Francie Cordero, who is a a Triple A outfielder, and Bobby Dahlbeck, who will hit. He will, he will go nine strikeouts in a row before he gets a base hit. That's unacceptable for the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> John Henry is the owner. He owns Liverpool. He owns he owns the Pittsburgh Penguins. He he lowballs Evgeny Malkin, who's a who's an NHL Hall of Famer. He's a he's a center line whatever. And he lowballs them. You're the Boston Red Sox. You need a, a me and you, me and you combined could go out there and give them innings in the bullpen. They don't have bullpen <laughs> arms. There's no right hand. There's no right handed pitcher in the bullpen. There's no left handed pitcher in the bullpen. When the game's down the line, you have one run to, to spare. There's there's nobody in there that gets three. Mark, appreciate the call, man. <laughs> you can't say that. This line's open if you want to grab it. It's six one seven 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 nine. 7937. So, yeah, the Tanner Hulk thing in terms of and Chris Sale factors into this as well. Because Chris fails Chris Sale as we know at this point in time, he's not vaccinated either. So, when you look at it from that perspective, it is a real conversation like I hate getting into the vaccine talk, 
But if this team does go to Toronto, say hypothetically the wild card series, you're going to play three games north of the border. That is a major concern with this team. It's not just a get vaccinated or not get vaccinated conversation. It's a conversation of whether or not you're going to have one of your starters and right now your closer when you go to Toronto. So it is a fair thing to bring up when you look at it that way. His point about the first base stuff, I echo what he said for the most part. It is a joke that they don't have a legitimate major league first baseman. And we've been having this conversation now for two years. If you look at it just from a defensive perspective, the Red Sox first base defense, negative 21 defensive run saves since the start of 2021. The team that is second last in that category is at negative 11. And that's the Detroit Tigers. The Red Sox are at negative 21. Think about that. So for two years, they haven't had any defense from a first base perspective, and you're not getting the thump offensively because Bobby Dahlback is giving you nothing offensively. Let's get to Tim and Lowell. Hey, Tim. Hey, BB. How are we doing this afternoon? What's up, Always Tim? Always a pleasure hearing you talk. Always a pleasure to hear you talking baseball. Let me tell you, it's great listening. You, the best. You and Rob make the best base baseball combo in the city. I love hearing it. Appreciate right, it. A couple, couple, couple of things here. Number one, you're completely right about Hein Bloom. He, he's got obvious holes that he has created himself that he has to fill. Whether or not he's going to do it, we don't know. But the two things I wanted to specifically talk about you, Brian, I'm sorry, they can't bring back Daniel Bard here. He was an absolute puddle the last time he was here. Uh, you heard what David Ortiz said. Yep. There's some players, you got to get people that can play in Boston. I actually think he was referencing Story when he made that comment, because he's a guy that can't play in Boston either. But my main right, Tim, point that's unfair. Tim, Tim, that's unfair. We're early on in the process with Story. Hey, I appreciate the call, Tim, and the kind words. we got to let you go, though. Red Sox pregame comes your way next. I think that's unfair to say about Story. Story just got here. And by the way, Story's very important for this team in the second half of the season. I guess the unofficial second half, we're already technically in it, because... Story's the only other guy on this team right now that hits for power. There's two members of this team that have more than 10 home runs. Story's one of the two. It's him and Rafael Devers. So I do truly believe, and if you look at Story's career historically, he's been much better in the second half of seasons than he has been in the first half. He's been notorious for being a slow starter. So I actually feel good about where Story's at. And not to mention the fact, of course, dealing with the injury. He's going to miss the game a week from Friday, or I should say next Friday as well. So that's a concern, but it does feel like Story, from a defense perspective, gives you everything you can want. So I, I like what you've gotten from Story. All right, that thanks to Ethan for producing. Coming up next, it is Red Sox baseball across the Shaws and Storm Market, WEI Red Sox Network. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.